Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. 150 episodes. Um, well, uh, before we start, I just want to say thank you. Uh, 150 episodes, 147 reviews globally. We've we've raised over £1,000 for M&D uh, already, and we're going to be doing a lot more things with with our charity in the next few weeks and months uh so please do keep donating if you can and we've had a whole over 150k uh, listens across apple and spotify and appreciate there's more kicking around uh with google and, and acast and stuff like that but what an achievement that is um but thank you honestly thank you for engaging and and listen to this podcast uh from me dana and tom and our entire team which is now headed up by phil with the blogs and and the reviews as well so thank you very much for us Enjoy the podcast, Up the Borough Breakdown. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Welcome to the 150th episode of the Borough Breakdown Podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We are the Borough Podcast that gives you all the Borough Match Day chatter in a podcast. And well, on Saturday, Borough made it back-to-back 2-0 wins at the Riverside with goals from Paddy McNair and Joshy fucking Coburn, uh, <laughs> giving Borough a vital three points, which leaves Borough in 12th place in the championship table. Guys, um, I'm going to do something a little bit different this week and probably for the foreseeable future. I want you to describe how you are feeling this week in a song title, uh, Tom, how are you feeling? Yeah, I thought this was going to be easier than the than the three <laughs> words one, but it really isn't. So I'm going one more time by Craig David, as in we need to do this one more time before I start get ca- getting carried away. <laughs> it's off the um, oh, is it David album? Is it which Craig David album's off? I don't know. I'm not as big of Craig David fan as you are. Uh, no, well, well, we'll come to that. <laughs> I'm Craig Welcome David. Welcome to fan. the Craig David podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. Thanks. Rewind. <laughs> <laughs> Do a short reversal on me. Uh, Dana, what are you going to go for? Yeah, mine is In Between by Black featuring Banks, which, quick footnote, very good song, one of my favourites. But the the reason why is because I am caught in between a little bit. It was a good result, but in my opinion, not a good performance. I'm going to go with Wake Me Up Before You Go, go by Wham, uh, just mainly because I was asleep for 85 minutes until we scored a penalty. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, But Dana... Let's let's assess the game then, because you said a good win, performance maybe a bit. bit yeah, meh. it was. I mean, that game was. It was a really poor game of football. I thought it was two poorly performing teams 
that were pay, playing poor football. I mean, to be fair, in the first half, it was. I mean, it was very stop start, wasn't it? I think they had two injuries. The um, linesman had to be substituted, which felt like it took about ten minutes for them to get the referee's equipment or the assistant's uh, equipment on, and. We never really got going. I thought, um, to be fair to Peter Brennan, they have or had, I don't know whether they still do, well, they probably do actually, the worst defence in the English football pyramid. Their pressing was really good and I think that was probably one of the reasons why we couldn't really keep the ball because they were pressing us and forcing us into mistakes and we didn't really keep possession very well. Um, and it was just... First half was very poor, and to be fair, I agree with you. For eighty-five minutes, I thought it was a really dire game um, mm. up until Paddy McNair scored, and then he did, and thankfully we um, we got the second from there. But yeah, it was, it was not a good game of football. I thought. Well, we'll we'll peel the layers then uh, this game in a second after just get your thoughts, Tom, because I want to know how you assess the game as well. But then also, it was a big win for Borough. But do you think Peterborough? Unfortunate not to come away with something, especially they had a big penalty shout. House and could have maybe got that red card in the first half. Well, starting off with a penalty shout, that was definitely a penalty. So I haven't watched, watched it back. Lumley got nowhere near the ball and, and, and wiped it, uh, the player's feet out. House and, yeah, I, I could say that kind of going either way. I did think he got the ball at the time, but I was also like, ooh, like I didn't like the follow through. Did um, I fall asleep in this moment? Because I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> well, I changed the house and house and tackle in the first half. He he got the ball, but followed through and looked like his studs were up. Mm. Get yourself on Twitter. I honestly must have been <laughs> momentarily drunk in that moment because I have no idea what you're talking about. But it was near the you know dugout. Um, it was obviously it was in Boris half. Um, and, and it was a bit of a late challenge from house. But to be fair, at the time when you look at those ones, you think. Ah, good challenge, that, you know, good hard Brexit tackle back in the day. You'd see that at the air some I days. know what you mean now, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. You'd my see brain. that at the good old air some. Yeah, then, I know what you mean now. Yeah. So we were just. Oh, sorry, Tom. <laughs> I don't know where I was. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, neither did I in that moment. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I thought at the time I'd, I wasn't a big fan of the follow through, but I, I did think he got the ball. But like I say, with, with the penalty shout, it was a definite penalty watching it back. But. With the amount of bad luck and bad decisions we've had go against us so far this season, it had to balance out at some point. Mm. We overall happy with the performance, though. Not, I wouldn't say one hundred percent happy with it. Uh, just as as Dennis said, it was generally cu- kind of quite a poor game. Mm. I wouldn't judge it too much, um, basically because of how kind of um, strung together our our team was. Really, uh, our, our makeshift it was even. Um, I wasn't a big fan of the formation, and I think if everyone was fit, I wouldn't want to see us playing like that. But uh, I think it's kind of a kind of a one-off that that we were forced into that situation and that formation that we had to play like that. So I don't judge it too much. Um, a couple of good kind of flashes of of maybe what's to come, particularly from Piero, which I know we'll we'll talk about later. Um, yesterday, which given me a little bit more positive uh, positivity, but Overall, it wasn't wasn't a great performance, but we got the win, so you should, gotta be happy you should with have it. a shirt. You saying I'm a I'm a fought the back guy. Um, <laughs> I, I, I quite well that. Um, but in terms of you know, the performance, then guys, you aren't particularly overwhelmed with excitement, um, even though we bore a one. So we'll peel back peel back the game, then we'll break it down. And Dana, when we when we looked at Peterborough yesterday, they came to the Riverside in five four one. You know, two 
very low CDMs playing more of like a low block, which probably helped them with the press. Um, but why do you think Boris struggled to break them down then? Because and what teams? What should we do when teams come to Riverside with that low block as well? Because it's very, very difficult at times, isn't it, to break it down? I don't really think we'll see that very often this season because, let's be honest, Peterborough probably came to the Riverside wanting a point at least to spark something. I don't think they've won on the road yet. They've got woeful away form. So they probably just wanted to get a result out of the game to inspire confidence. Mm. Um, but we didn't have any width, which I think helps against a low block because it stretches the the opponent and it forces them out to the ball side and it opens up space centrally and we didn't really have that and I think a big miss with that is Matt Bowler because uh, Matt Bowler in the games that he's come back into since his uh, first injury he does supply us that width and particularly against Sheffield United you saw that he was very wide on that left hand side and um, I don't really know why Jones hasn't been playing, to be honest. I know we've got a question about it, but he gives us that genuine width. And then when he's not in the team, then Matt Bull- when Matt Bowler isn't in the team, we play with quite a narrow front line because we've got wingers that want to cut inside. I know O'Neill Hernandez might start out wide, but he does want to come in those central areas and cut inside. We saw that chance uh, just before half-time where he, I mean, to be fair, it was good defending on the line. But I think you've got to stretch the game, keep the ball... And that's what we didn't really do in the first mm. half. We couldn't really keep hold of the ball. We um, we lost possession quite a bit. So I think it was a struggle for Borough. But I guess as the second half wore down, so did Peterborough. And we gradually got into the game. And we just needed that slice of luck, which... I mean, it wasn't really luck because it was a penalty um, that we got. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was probably one of those games. And we're not going to see that very often, I don't think, because... You typically see that against a top team, don't you? You know, we saw it under Itok Rankins, especially in that promotion season where teams would come and try to get anything mm-hmm. out of the game. Um, but yeah, it was probably one of those games where patience was needed. Yeah, I mean, it's very interesting when, when teams come with a low block because there's, there's only two, really two ways you can go about defeating it, isn't it? It's spreading the ball very quickly out wide or you have to play through them. I think when when we're looking to play through them, I don't think we had the quality there at times to, think, to try and we, get through it. Yeah, I don't think we really had any money playing between the lines in yeah. those spaces whereas I think when Tav came centrally that's where you saw that happen and I think that's where we got the, the look out of the game mm, yeah, Absolutely yeah, well the, the start of the game then Dana the Borough's back three and Joel Lumley had the, had the most passes of the ball in the game and then Pajero came in on, on, on 27 uh, so what do you think that stat means then in terms of Borough's style do you think it was a case of they were trying to be patient across the back line and, and move the ball around or I think it was just a case of what we've seen previously. There's no central man looking for the ball to to, to start and, and and switch the play a lot quicker. I don't know because I, I obviously I read this question in prep and I looked at the whole game and um, Housen does receive the ball. Um, or he does typically in that midfield area. He does uh, pass the ball a lot and. To be fair, when you've got a, a makeshift defence, let's be honest, we had one slash two defenders. If you count Paddy McNair, I mean, let's not forget he did play centre-half all last season. So you've got players that want to get on the ball and they want to progress the ball through moving up the pitch and passing up the pitch. And that's probably a reason. I don't know whether I'll probably have to go back beyond the, the whole game um, to see whether or not that was 
also the case in those games where the defenders mm. had majority of the the passes. They have a low block as well, Holt, most of the time. The yeah, I mean, I watched that game. <laughs> I don't know why I'm asking you did that, but yeah, it was probably a case of Borough having those sort of midfielders um, mm. at the back. But I did quite um, enjoy that for what it was. I know it was probably. I mean, I did look at the the backline before the game and think, bloody hell, this is this will be interesting. But you did see House and, and McNair float into those deep midfield areas. I thought that was. I really like that part of Boris' play. It gives a, a different dimension of um, forcing the opposition. You know, do you press or do you let the midfield press and then sort of have a striker sort of take that space um, mm. behind? It, I, I quite enjoyed it, to be fair, for what it was. Yeah, like the par- the parallels of of Middlesbrough's well, Neil Warnock's Middlesbrough and Neil Warnock's Cardiff City it was the rotated centre backs, isn't it? I think when you see it with the likes of Bamba coming into the midfield, and then you also see with Paddy last year which was very, very good tactical tweak from Warwick last year because having McNair in his distribution was very, very good to create chances for Borough. We switched the play a lot quicker. We created chances. This time around, we haven't really done that as much. And I think when we, we've we been act, quite active to say, well, we should play three at the back. It's because we have the distribution there within our defence to try and get that. But Tom, the Borough's gap centrally, it still remains. It, it just seems like the, the central midfield's made out of lava because uh, no, <laughs> there's no one in there. Um, but why do you think it's an issue then when, when Borough are on the transition? Because surely you, you need someone in there to try and get the ball moving a little bit quicker. Yeah, I think it's just that we've become predictable while we're transitioning and we attack. I think every team realises that we're going to go down one of the flanks. They'll block it off that way then we tend to just go side to side until we can make a breakthrough on one of the flanks and, and, and hopefully get a ball in. Hmm. Um, what I did enjoy kind of the last 20 minutes or so of the second half, maybe even longer than that, was that Piero was starting to to be a bit more kind of box-to-box in the midfield. He was making runs. Uh, and I said to you in the car on the way, like, based on, on what we've had for the last couple of seasons, like, could you imagine Saville or, like, Lewis Wing doing that? Like I think he's he's offering something uh, when he's being allowed to play that we haven't had in midfield for a while. So I'd like to see more of that going forward because um, I think that that will help us in the transition. But there were quite a few times yesterday, and you just touched on it there with Housen and McNair. I remember specifically Housen kind of running around the right wing slash right centre mid positions, like looking for an overlap from Tav, and and that was where it didn't kind of go anywhere because we knew. Uh, Peter knew that he was going to try and, try and transition it out, block off Tav, and then it, it has to go side to side again. Um, I will kind of give a, a bit of a mention to Crooks as well, because, I mean, on the basis of the whole 90 minutes yesterday, like watching it live, I didn't think he was having a particularly good game. Um, but the more I kind of think back on it, the more I think he actually did effectively do a job there in, in centre, well, kind of centre defensive mid. Um, when Dembele was running at him, I thought he dealt with him very effectively uh, on quite a few occasions, just from kind of uh, being kind of tall and gangly enough to <laughs> to prevent the ball from going round him, which was which seemed to be what Dembele was trying to do every time. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd like to see if, if he can offer a bit more going forward, um, but I, I think he did kind of an effective job yesterday. Um, but yeah, I think going forward. Piero's kind of starting to show the player that he is moving forward in the transition. Um, hopefully, if we can get Saliki back to his best on, on the other side, we, we might have something to, to offer in centre mid. It'd be interesting to see how Warwick changes in the next couple of games, then, won't it, when Peltier comes in? 
Yeah, I mean that's that's my worry that Peltier will come back in, he'll put Housen in midfield and like take Piero out onto the bench or something and say, oh, he still needs two months to transition or whatever. <laughs> Where we, we, we've seen just kind of in those flashes in the second half, um, just what he can offer. Um, I think it's something we have been missing for for a couple of years. I'm going to come on to Piero in a minute, um, but Boris makeshift back line, Tom. Dana's already alluded to it. How how would you assess that? Because they've all played there. You know, Housen played there quite a lot under Jonathan Woodgate. Paddy McNair's played there for the last couple of years. Sol Bamba, I mean, he's a natural centre-half. So, I mean, do you think the court pretty well showed the experience at the back? I think they did. And and when I saw the, the team yesterday, I didn't particularly worry that that was our back three. Um, I, I, did. <laughs> I, I did. I didn't think... Uh, McNair would have a problem in uh, in, in centre uh, centre back, especially in the back three. We've seen him play there, and he does well. Housen was maybe the the weak spot if you're looking at it on paper, but I still think because of the type of player that he is, and you know, he, he generally gives 100 percent effort whatever position he's asked to play. Um, that he'd do all right there, and I thought McNair and Housen both if were quite effective in bringing the ball out from out from defence on either side. Mm. Yeah, I thought you were going to call him Oldman Housen for a second there. I was just going to be like, <laughs> where is this going? <laughs> but no, I think you're right. Everything that you said there, Tom's absolutely spawned. It was interesting as well where Bamba himself was being a lot more aggressive yesterday than he has been in previous games and in terms of his, his tackling. I think for him, under when he was under Neil Warnock at Cardiff, he was the main instigator of, of the transition, really, because if he w- if he was to, c- to come out, the the back three or back four would set, become a bit more narrow, and then he would look to distribute the ball out to the wingers. That's how they broke. Obviously, we we didn't really see much of a glimpse of that. We did see one small glimpse of it yesterday, where I think he, he picked up the ball just before, I think it was about a third in our half, and then I think it was Watmore was a bit further forward, and he just played out, I think it's got cut off. But there is... There is a lot of positives in that form, so I think there's a lot of positives in that, in that back three as well. I think it'd be interesting to see if, obviously, if Pelletier, when he does come back in, what we do, because I think Pajero, I thought, was, was very, very good yesterday, um, especially in that second half. In the first half, I was like a bit, Ugh. but in the second half, I thought he was really, really good. Um, Dana, one final thing before I move on, like, more of like a player breakdown. We moved away a little bit from the, from the man mar- very strict man-marking system yesterday. Um and it was a bit more zonal, I would say, a bit more zonal. There was a couple of man-marking bits in there, but of course it's always going to happen in certain games. But is this is this the end? Is this the end of the strict man-marking system? you think it's all done and dusted? Or do you think it's because of the main... Because they were having such a low block, it was kind of pointless to us doing that? Yeah, we're, we're going to see that again for sure. Um, it was one of those games where the personnel probably didn't sue... Um, man-to-man marking because you've got I mean we had so many attacking players on the pitch you think to the wing backs even the likes of McNair and Housen they want to bring the ball into deep areas in midfield so we did have to sacrifice a little bit of defensive um, structure our usual defensive structure a little bit but no I I definitely don't think the man-to-man marking's gone it'll probably be back the next game Um, but to be fair Peterborough going forward were pretty abject, let's be honest, apart from Dembele, who really confused me because for some reason I expected him to be way taller than he is. And then I don't know why, because his brother Karamoko is probably around the same height. So it was a bit of an optical illusion. I was looking at him and I was like, isn't he supposed to be about going on six foot? I was dead confused. But he was a threat. 
And other than that, I think Smodic's had a few opportunities to create, but it just wasn't working for them, to be fair. And um, Bamba, for, for all, he doesn't really have pace anymore due to his age. He does read the game very, very well. And he hasn't really put a foot wrong since he's come back into the uh, into the side, to be fair. So um, to answer your question, um, going on, off on a tangent there, no, I don't. I, I think we will see the man marking back. Yeah, do you know like that uh, that height illusion thing? Someone asked, I read the other day that um, Ivan Tony's only five foot ten, and then uh, Luke Shaw's six foot one. And I was just like, what? Like that is just funny enough. That was so bizarre. And so, I, yeah, I thought he was going to be exactly the same. Yes, this is completely unrelated. But you know, Nicole Scherzinger it looks like she's about five foot eleven. I think she's about five five, which is the same height as me, which is just it's mad. And uh, yeah, what? It's, is she really? Yeah, about five. She might actually. She might actually be a dwarf. Five four. <laughs> she might be smaller than me. It's weird. Anyway, Google it. Not <laughs> keep this podcast on and Google it. Water in a sink. Nicole Scherzinger. <laughs> Face on backwards. Face on backwards. I don't know how you're going to describe Matt Piarri at all because yeah, um, <laughs> Antonio's his first assist, of course, yesterday. Most chances created in four. Most dribbles in four two. Matt Piarri, how would you rate him? Good, bad, ugly. Possibly the greatest Argentinian player of all time. Maybe. <laughs> Good, bad, ugly. <laughs> um, you know, kind of similar to the way you've summed him up earlier. First half, I didn't think he was offering too much. Um, and we've kind of seen it in, in previous games, uh, particularly Redden, where I think he, he just got bypassed quite a lot, typically because of the way that we're, we're set up to play. But second half, he was much better. And and like I said earlier, there were glimpses kind of like the last 20, 25 minutes of, of what he can bring to the team. He was making runs out from defence and, and, and doing particularly well at taking people on. Um, you know, playing a, a decently weighted through ball. We saw quite a lot of uh, examples of that. Um, and yeah, just I'd like to see more of the same going forward. I absolutely love the uh, the passion that he showed after uh, after that assist for for Corburn as well. Just absolutely fist bumping the uh, uh, the north stand, and um, you know every, everyone coming over to celebrate with him. Felt a little bit sorry for Corburn, uh, considering he just scored his <laughs> the first goal he's going to score in front of fans at the Riverside, and everyone went over to celebrate with the guy who assisted him. But <laughs> um, no, like absolutely quality, and yeah, just just want to see more of him going forward. Why do you think the, the players did that then? You just think it was just because of the sheer passion that Piero was showing? Oh, yeah, just magnetism, and it just draws everyone in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I, f- I feel like they're... I mean, it, it's obviously going to be kind of um, only something you're going to know if you're on the training ground with them, but I, I feel like they've probably seen how much he's kind of... how much effort he's put in, uh, but also how much he's kind of struggled to, to get into the team so far, so... You know, this could kind of be his breakthrough into the into being a regular. So the, I'm sure they'll all have been happy for him and wanted to celebrate with him. Yeah, I like to think so. I like to. I would like to see more of more of Pierre. I think he brings something completely different to every other midfielder we have in the team, um, and also it helps having his development out wide. Still, I know there's going to be people saying what central or wide, and we'll we'll debate it probably a little bit later on. The age on question. The age on question. Yeah. Um. But I thought it was. I thought Pierre was really really good. I thought in the first half where he got that yellow card, I thought, oh no, this is this could be bad. This could be sent off. And I was I was intrigued bec- uh, in Pierre's second half because I was adamant that Warnock was going to take him off after like 50, 60 minutes and. 
I thought that would be like the last thing we see of him for another month and a half. So um, it was good that he got the full 90 as well. Good for his confidence. Really, really good assist with an all-up pass. And it was just an over, I thought overall solid second half performance room. But Dana, would you echo our thoughts on Pajaro there? Yeah, I think he struggled before um, Jones came on and then Tav moved century because he was almost the... He had the sole responsibility of creating century. I just looked at the amount of passes that Duncan Watmore made and he made nine successful passes during the game. So for Duncan, it was a bit of a weird game because he had that run in the first half, didn't he, where it looked like he was going to go on another one of those Huddersfield um, runs and, and score. But he had a bit of a mixed game, I thought. He lost the ball quite a, a lot and... I guess when Tav came centrally, it took the heat off Pierre a little bit and he, his confidence grew. And I think playing with Tav will exude his confidence as well because Tav is such a good player. And I think them two can really work in tandem with each other. So once Tav came centrally, it took the heat off Pierre a little bit and he, he had the ability to express himself a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and he also had that width with Jones on that. Um, was Jones on the right? He was, wasn't, yeah, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, he was on the right. Were you asleep this game? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, when someone says, Dana, what's left or right, I won't know what my left and right is. I do know it, but when I'm on the spot, my brain dies. So, should, yeah. You should get, you know, you should get like, your second and third tattoo with just like an R on the right hand and an L on should, the left hand. I yeah. Uh, I feel like it would work quite well. Honestly, my driving instructor was like, turn left, I'll go right. It's weird. <laughs> Anyways. Um, but yeah, I mean, when, when um, Jones came on, it was it gave that width and that outlet as well. So, yeah, Piero was, was fantastic. Again, I echo Tom's thoughts about the celebration. It was really good to see. Hopefully, they've uh, captured that on Inside Match Day. Yeah. Um, <laughs> past Matty Barber or whoever records it, please pan to Piero because that was a very good celebration, to be fair. It was yeah. just an out- impassioned celebration, outpouring of joy and I guess relief of he's had to bide his time, hasn't he? And yeah, it was a it was a really good moment. Mm. Something else I, I forgot to mention there, and I, I'd love to know your thoughts on it as well. Um, Piero set pieces like that free mm. kick that he swung in. I think it was the first half. Um, needed I mean, someone to gamble, didn't it? Yeah, just needed someone to gamble in it. That could have easily been a goal. But also, I think he's so much better at taking these set pieces than Tavers. And yes, I, I, agree. I don't know why Tavs on the set pieces instead of him. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't either. Um, I think, uh, like we said on this podcast numerous times, like Tav's final ball is is questionable. Um, it's very hot and cold, and I think that there's going to be improvement there. And I said on the last podcast in the, in the review show that it will eventually click where the consistency hits with Tav, and he will go on and be a very, very good Premier League footballer. I think with Pajero right now, absolutely, I think he's a much better set-piece taker. I think he gets a really good whip on the ball, and um, I thought... That, that first half free kick, I thought it just needed it just needed a, someone you, you just to who, gamble who the, back was at the back as well. Ikpiazu, mm. Bamba, Crooks, and any one of them could have got the red on that. Mm. Yeah, it was it was a bit of a like a, a very like drilled ball in. So maybe you could say it was a bit too much pace on the ball, but overall I think, I think it was really good. I think yeah, if, if I think if you if he's on the pitch, why not? You know what I mean? Why not? Unless you're thinking of, of Warnock, where you're thinking maybe. Pajero edge of the box, he's got a good strike on him, mm-hmm. comes out, first time effort. Um but then you could say the same about Tav. I think Tav's got a cracking left foot as well, so um it's a tough one, but I think I, I would go with Peter probably. Peter, I'd probably go with that. Um McNair's a good set piece as well, so but it's interesting. I d I don't know what he's wanting to do with with Tav in those moments, so it could be just a case of can we improve Tav 
in this set piece or in this final can, ball. Can we just improve our set pieces? Can we just in improve? General, have, um, no, we're, we're, all dead, we're a set piece team, remember? Um, <laughs> You've got to be careful because the Sky Spies uh, listen to this podcast, don't they? And then they indirectly uh, mention us on, on their live broadcast. Yeah, but the Sheffield United game, we got a little indirect shout out. Yeah, about about housing. Oops. That was me. That wasn't it. <laughs> we shouldn't sh- sh- shouldn't slag off housing, then, should you? Old man housing, isn't it? <laughs> no, that's right. Old man housing. Old man housing. Yeah. <laughs> Old man screams at housing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, did what? What do you think then? Set piece. Do you think Pajero's is the right man for for that? Yeah, I was thinking that. To be fair, yesterday because. Tav is a good player, don't get me wrong, but his set pieces are incredibly poor for the most part. But he's not the only one in that regard. I think McNair's, I know you said that he's got a good set piece on, on, on him, but they're far too hit and miss. And I don't know what it is with us in set pieces, but we just can't seem to, we can't seem to draw up good set pieces on a consistent or semi-consistent basis. So it's, it's really, it's really weird. And, um, you know, for a Neil Warnock side, you would think that we would be good at, at set pieces, but... We're just not. But yeah, there must be some sort of statistic that says that we are a good set piece team because I don't doubt that Sky do their research. But it's almost like this sort of preconceived notion of, well, Neil Warnock was good at set pieces at Cardiff. Um, not Neil Warnock specifically, scoring, scoring from... Neil <laughs> Warnock's like putting a strip on in the stick in the corner. <laughs> Seven foot vertical leap to nod it, <laughs> nod it in. But uh, Neil Warnock teams are good from set pieces, but I wouldn't say that we are. All right then, okay. Well, after the game... I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into this because there was a, so much chat about it on like on on the forums and on Twitter as well. Around one, I'm not mentioning Piero much in the, in the press conference. Named every other player, of course, and said how well they played. And then obviously the when he mentioned Piero, he just said about his partner and you know coming over. So do you think that do you think there's tension there? Just people are looking too much into it. He said he played really well. Okay, well. So there we are. I, I I don't know. I don't really understand that, to be honest. I don't really know what people want Warnock to do. Do they want him to waltz around in Thought Road with his chest out and have, well done, Martin, just blazoned on <laughs> giving it? Out like, sign, giving out sign photos, just like... <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you know, like save red car baths. But it's, well done, Martin. Like, I don't really, like... I get that people, I think people are past the point of like their criticism of Neil Warnock and they're not going to turn back anytime soon. So every little thing sort of feeds in and his, his press conferences, let's be honest, they, they are, a lot of, a lot sure. has been taken, a lot, a lot has been taken from them that are a bit, a bit misconstrued really, I think. Some mm. of the, some of the things that are coming from them, I think. Oh, fair enough. Yeah, same time. Yeah, kind of the same. Like, I'd, I'd, I'm not reading too much into it that he didn't mention him. Um, I, I was listening to the BBC T's one after the match, and uh, I was kind of he he did kind of do the same there, where he was mentioning quite a lot of players, but not Piero. But also, he was never specifically asked about Piero, uh, which I thought was a bit strange because for me, he was one of the talking points of the second half. Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to kind of read too much into that I, I don't think there's there's anything we can we can get from it really okay well fair enough that that is dead in the water then so <laughs> oh, i won't i won't push any further debunked debunked yes uh but let's chat about joshy corburn then because his first goal yesterday um of the season and of course his second goal for the war as well tom can you see him maybe be a, a part of this borough team moving forward because 
you know, I thought he, I thought he did well when he came on. I thought he got got in a good space, got in the, found himself at the back post, and a, a good striker is always at the back post. So good. I, I think there's there's definitely potential for for him to get a few more games this season. Um, I think looking at our kind of depth chart for for strikers, he is our third choice striker at least. Um, and you know, if he's going to be playing well and scoring, I think obviously Warnock's alluded to it in his press conferences that he's looking stronger this year. Uh, he's looking a much better player, and he probably wasn't in his thoughts before pre-season I think he said um, and, and then since then he's come back stronger and he he, look, he looks better so um, yeah I, I, I wouldn't rule it out that he's probably going to get at least a few more games this season and obviously if he, if he hits some, some decent form it could probably be more Do you think it's interesting though <clears throat> that Ikepiaz is not getting in the full 90 minutes at the moment and Corbin's having to, having to come into this system because you'd, you'd think Ikepiaz could finish a full 90 right? Yeah, it is interesting. And, and when I spoke to Johnny King, who uh, is a Wickham fan, about Ike Piers, who he never said anything about him not lasting 90 minutes. But Tom said on one of the first podcasts that this was mentioned, that it's probably just to do with like the his muscle, isn't it? And he's probably spent all his Size. energy. Yeah, um, it, it is interesting. But to be fair, we haven't had a situation this season from the start anyway where we've had Spira and Dick Piazzi on the pitch at the same time. So that's obviously why Josh Corbin was, was on the bench. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. I, I do remember saying last season that I would like to see Corbin go out on loan. But the lad's 18, 19 in December, I believe, and he can still get in the under-18s, I think. So he's under 18s under 23s and also in and around the first team so that's i think that's that's good enough for him um at the time at, well, at this moment in time obviously he can't go out on loan anymore so um until january so yeah it's i think it's good to he's probably one of those players in the academy that does look really good um, I remember watching some highlights from an under-18s game where him, him and Callum McAvaney were really good. I think it was at um, Darlington's ground. And he looked strong, mobile, um, physical as well. And he's a big lad. I mean, he's a, he's 18. Um, but he's such a young, um, such a, a, a mobile but also physical uh, player. And, and he's definitely one to watch for sure. Mm. Do you think you, would you uh, send him out on loan now, Dan, or would you keep him around the, the squad? Because... He might not get a game elsewhere. No, I would keep him. I would keep him in and around the squad because, as I said, he's eighteen, playing in the under twenty threes. Um, that's that's decent enough for him for the time being. I don't think that we should be rushing him anywhere anytime soon. I know no, this is going against what I said last season, but I was probably a little bit too keen and eager for him to develop. But I think his development's going pretty well, as is shown. To be honest, whenever he's come on. And he's had a decent amount of time to get into the game. He has looked really good. So um, long may it continue with Josh Colbert. Mm, I, I think so too. I think he's, he's got a very, very bright future. It'd be interesting to see where he ends up. And I think with the with the loans as well, I think he should be in and around the team as well. I think he'd probably develop a lot better with the current squad that we have than rather than going out on loan. But then again, uh, a, a lower league move would probably suit him. It would toughen up even more. So when he does come back to Millsbury, he'd have that you know that that intelligence a little bit. Do you know what I mean of of the of the lower leagues and the championships complete is a completely different kettle of fish to the Premier League, of course. So you'll have to adjust his game again. But if you're interested to see how he uh, how he progresses, probably in the next what five six years, really. Um, I don't think we'll probably see the best out of him until probably then. But overall, I think it was very very solid from him. But let's move on to questions um, from the listeners. 
Um, the first one, I've just I haven't put the name there, so I'm really sorry for this one. But it's uh, Neil and, and then and Liam as well. I um, thought it was you that asked the question. <laughs> no, was like, it wasn't. Johnny asking the question. No, part of the podcast I'm, I'm going to have to search on Twitter again now because I've come, I've left I've left the name out. Um, it says now that the cracks have been papered over for a couple of days, why aren't we building the team? Uh, well, sorry, now the cracks have been papered uh, over for a couple of days, why aren't we building the team around Piero? And then Liam's also came in as well and said, uh, are we just papering over the cracks after a good result? So. Is the result papering over the cracks? And then also, why aren't we building a team around Pajero? So, Tom, do you want to take this one? I wouldn't say it's papering over the cracks because we could still potentially lose on Wednesday and then we're back to square one. Uh, we've been in this position several times this season and it, it's never, you know, it, it's never really papered over the cracks because in a short, uh, short time, it's, it's undone. So we need to, to remain consistent. We need to get a good, uh, good result against Barnsley. Hopefully a good result against Cardiff, um, and and keep kind of building on it, building the team around uh, Piero. Um, I mean, the, it, it's got to be him and, and a few other players. I wouldn't say we need to build the team solely around that one player, but like we, we've got the likes of Tav, who I, I think thought looked really good yesterday, and and he's just kind of getting better and better as as time goes on. Um, obviously, Fry when he comes back into the team. You know, we've got a, a decent kind of core of players there to build around. Um, but what we do need to do is start utilising them more. I think. Um, you know, it's his, his first kind of uh, was it his first ninety minutes, or did he get subbed off against Redden? I can't remember actually. I've, I've that game has just disappeared. No, I've, I've tried he did, to he did get it, he did get subbed <laughs> off against Redden. Yeah, yeah so sixty minutes he came off because I was. I, I remember during that game, I was like, Pierre was going to come off soon, isn't he? Yeah, and, and he did. So. <laughs> It, 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 I mean, it was first ninety minutes yesterday. It's something to build on. Um, like I say, there's other players there to to build around as well. But just start utilising him more because he, he showed something that we're missing in centre midfield. Mm. Okay. Um, just add on another question. To that sorry, Tom, but it's on Boris Van. He says, "What's your thoughts on Pierre replacing Crook? Uh, Pierre replacing Crooks as a deep line playmaker." You just mentioned Pajero there. What would you do? You think he's the man to, to probably play in that system? I think as a playmaker, he's better than Crooks. Yeah. Um, so I, I wouldn't have any any problems with that. I just think it's going to be interesting to see what we do on Wednesday when Peltier is back and we don't have to play house uh, at centre back. Um, you know, just in terms of who actually gets into that midfield, I feel like what more might kind of shift around in the team somewhere. Um, to, to kind of accommodate that but yeah be interesting to see what happens on Wednesday but I would like to see uh, Piero in that role instead of Crooks I think Crooks is underappreciated in this team to be honest because uh, he's not flash or exotic and he's not he's not somebody that is a uh, sexy I guess in, in the way that he plays but he's creative and He's a goal scorer as well. He scores goals from midfield. So I do think he's a little bit... I think people sleep on uh, Matt Crooks a little bit, to be honest. Yeah. I think he deserves more respect. Yeah, he's called Matthias Crooks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just think as a playmaker, Piero's better, but I would still have Crooks in the squad in, in some capacity. Mm. I, I do agree with, with all of that. And I, I think he has been good this season. I, I thought he was asked to play a role yesterday where it, it, it's it's different to what we've been seeing from him so far but I thought he did like I said earlier did well against Dembele um, I, f- I think if anyone was to, to miss out from that midfield on Wednesday it might have to be Housen 
um, just kind of based on you know how, it won't be it, how, <laughs> on how, won't how, be. how those two played yesterday, but it won't be like you yeah. say. So can I drop all my house and can you? <laughs> um, <laughs> but not you know crook, the crooks in that in more like defensive midfield role. Do you know what it screamed? It screamed Nicky Bailey because I remember when remember when um, he first signed, he pl- he played left wing uh, under Gordon Strachan. <laughs> And he con- he persisted with Nicky Bailey at left wing for about a good ten games. So like, no wonder he got sacked. And we played him centre half, didn't he? Yeah, and then right back half. at one point as well. I, I, I remember such uh, a utility man, you know. I remember there was one game where Bailey was playing right back, and I can't remember who it was against, but someone's running down the wing, and it was like he just kind of like floated towards him and just shoulder barged <laughs> him into the stands. It was like on FIFA where the guy's legs stop running, but he still kind of moves into it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like get, uh, for a second, I was like, "Why is he?" I said, "Nicky Bailey didn't Joseph Farga play there as well?" Right back, I was going to get, going to get them confused for a second a there. Proud midfield tradition of playing right back for Middlesbrough football. Mm. Surprised Clayton didn't end up there at yeah. some point. Yeah, because we did convert him from a goal scorer midfielder to a defensive combative. Fa- uh, Fouling midfielder. Oh, fast I was trying to remember the word for it, tactical fouls. See, my brain's not here. You love to Blame see me it. Blame me at that break. Well, not. I'd be interested to see if Crooks does play in that defensive midfield role. I think he would suit it as well. Um, could be not the... for me, not for long term. Hey, you never know. <clears throat> a new manager would come in and. Transition him into a centre forward, centre half, or even a goalkeeper. Well, I was going to say he's definitely going to play in goal at some point. Who knows? Point. You know, he's got he's got the height. Um, <laughs> but next question, uh, and also oh, the last question by the way is from Paul Wheat. So thank you very much for that, Paul. Um, I really apologise for for, for, oh, for, for, for for not putting your name originally. But shame on you. Shame. Shame. <laughs> um, next question is from Sam Murray Dana, and it says, "Why, in your opinion, has Jones been on the bench so much lately?" We need him on the pitch. You said at the start of the show that it would be a lot better with him coming on the pitch. So why is he on the bench as much? Maybe it's a case of the <clears throat> the management and the coaches managing his minutes and protecting him a little bit. But I don't know. He's been the bright spark of our season, in my opinion. Certainly one of the <clears throat> one of the biggest uh, excuse me one of the biggest bright sparks. So. I don't know why he's he's not playing because as I said at the at the top of the show we do play with quite narrow forwards. Tav likes to cut inside, Hernandez likes to cut inside. Jones is somebody that will go on the outside, and you saw yesterday. I think there were two Peterborough men on him, and he jinked it past both both of them, which was a really good moment. And I think that epitomises Jones. He is that very soccer aim skill school, isn't he? If he just wants to beat his man and get past him and deliver the ball at the box. So I would like to see Jones start, but. There will be the debate of is it Jones or is it Hernandez? For me, I would play Jones. I would play Jones too. I think your stat, I think your stats a mint man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Well, he, well, he does. He outperforms Ornell in all of the <laughs> stats that we would find as a strength in O'Neill Warnock side. So yeah, it would just make sense for him to play more. He's just got it? better deliveries in the box as well. I think one mm. of the biggest problems of Hernandez and probably why he does quit inside is that his crossing is. Um, it leaves much to be desired. I remember that game against Blackpool where I can see why people maybe thought that first half was good. I personally don't. But he was getting into good positions, but then his crossing, it never beat the first man, which is so frustrating when you've got a winger that can't deliver the ball in the box past the first man. But, yeah, that's definitely why he does coincide, isn't it? Mm, he does like wearing a mankino, doesn't he, uh, on Al Hernandez? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. 
you know, paying homage to his favorite uh, favorite comedian in Sacha Barakon in Borat. Um, <laughs> but the next next question, guys, um, it is around Tav. Um, Danny Bimo said, "How good is Tav?" Will has said, "Tav's so much better when he's moved central. Where's his best position?" And we've had a couple more people tune in with a couple of similar questions to it. So, hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. We're going back to it. Tav, <laughs> one, how good is Tav? Two, what posi- what position? Uh, you can both answer it. Tom will go first and we'll go to dinner. I mean, for how good he is, very. On, on um, a scale, of, should we do like a one to <laughs> ten? Like ten being Janino, one being. Um, Maxi Haas. Maxi Haas, yeah. A bit harsh on Maxi Haas. I think we've had worse players. Who? Uh, Joe O'Shea. Joshua, <laughs> well, really didn't rate him. Um, Dwight Tindale was bad. Marcus Bettinelli is probably the worst goalkeeper I've seen mm. for Bora, and I wasn't old enough to to see Andy Dibble. Uh, Mikel Tavares, Tavares, yeah. I'm trying to think of like some Caleb Lustracken signed. Yeah, Caleb Forlan, remember him for like unfortunately a brief ten minutes. A brief ten. And then who else is Okike Sola? We just never seen. Yeah, there's, so we'll go on that scale of being one, um, <laughs> the shite, and then we'll go at the ten being the brilliant in Janino and Mendieta. Uh You know, I'd, I'd say about six or seven at the moment, but obviously he's, he's still young and still got potential to improve, so he could easily go higher. Um, I, I think he's improved massively from where we started, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, he's, he's for me, an uh, integral part of, of the team. 
I think uh, it was on BBC TV yesterday. Maddo was going on about um, <laughs> someone who'd, who'd messaged in and said he's an absolute waste of space. And Maddo was like, he, he couldn't be any more wrong. I'd absolutely agree with Maddo on that one because he, he's one of the first names, if not the first name, on, on the team sheet. Um, I was just thinking there when we were talking about kind of uh, crooks and, and who should be in centre midfield. Thinking for uh, for Wednesday, I mean, this is never going to happen, but kind of Crooks and Piero at centre midfield, Tav playing just in front of them, and Jones and Hernandez either side. Stop being so offensive. Screams nil nil. Stop being so offensive, Tom. Stop being so offensive. Dana, go on then, what do you think of Tav then? Because I remember back in the day, you oh, couldn't stand <laughs> Marcus Tavernia. That comment from that guy on VCTs is what you thought I said about Tav. <laughs> Never said that. I don't want to pie. We had the Tav humble pie in, in the oven. I was, you on know Gas what? Mark I saw 4. this question on the doc sheet, and I was like, I wonder, I wonder if Johnny's going to mention that fucking humble pie. <laughs> and he did. Old old man screams humble pie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm obsessed with that meat, but I'm really obsessed with it. And the friggin' humble pie. And, um, uh, well. Sorry, uh, I'll never. I'll. Ne- it's the 150th episode. I've got to True. bring something back. You know what I mean? 2000. I mean, mentioned 2003. Mm. Yeah. Um, no. Dawn's not even had a mention. Dawn's not even had a mention. Just. You know, she, no, she did, didn't she? At the beginning. Oh, or was yeah. that off air? Off air. I think. Oh, I don't know. I'm gonna have to listen back to the podcast yeah. now. We'll go Tav. Then, how good is Tav? Best position. I would say on the, on the zero scale, to ten yeah. scale, I'd say it's probably seven point five or eight. The only thing that lets him down is his final ball, uh, specifically his shooting. Was uh, watching the shooting drills before the game, which is always re- really interesting. And Tav was the main culprit of the good old just rash shooting, um, blazing it over the crossbar. And we have seen that in game, to be fair, but. He is a, a fantastic player. If you're a stats person, look at his stats this season. I think Sky put a graphic up on the screen before the Reading game, I believe, and top for pretty much every metric. Um, well, not every metric, but you know, key passes, creativity, expected assists, etc., and also tackles per game. Um, he's a very um, all-rounded player in that he will get back, and he's very defensive, and he gets stuck in, which I saw was a criticism of him, which I don't understand because he does actually um, do his defensive duties as well, and he's also very fantastic um, going forward as well. It's just the final ball. He needs to get those goals and assists racked up, and then I think people will start giving him credit, but he's very Marmite, isn't he? He's a very divisive character, as um, Ado and Maddo were saying on BBC TV. Ado and Maddo. <laughs> You can't write. Sounds like Bill and Ben in here. <laughs> the flower pot men. Um, that's a new nickname for them, actually. They're going to start calling Nado and Maddo the flower pot men. There you go. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I think he's a fantastic player. He just needs to um, add that final ball. But as for his best position, for me, I've said this a lot. It's For me, I would prefer him out wide. Well, I didn't say middle last week. No, I said it would be interesting to see how we do. Oh, right, okay. I, was, I, I, was, I, was like, I, I don't know. I was like, what? You're just trying to stitch me up, him. Um, I'm not. I'm trying not. to get me clickbait snippet you know I mean? criticism. Buy a muffin, buy a hot chocolate, and you're coming at me like that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, agree with you. 100% agree with you. Out wide, I think it's his best I think, it's his I best think position we're in the minority him. there. I think a lot yeah. of people prefer him out. Um, sorry, I think a lot of people prefer him centrally, but I prefer him out yeah. wide. I think centrally like we said in the last podcast centrally is where he's going to move into mm. 
and he'll yeah. be very good there, and I think it will be his best posi- best position for him. Um, but I think right now, out wide is just where he's going to really, really develop, and who knows? Who I, knows? I think the the thing with him being out wide at the moment is him and Hernandez on both sides are trying to do something similar and cut in on their stronger foot, which is why when I was thinking about that, that three with Tavin centre, it was like Jones is going to be an out-and-out winger on one side, mm-hmm. Hernandez is going to be more inverted on the other. I think He's playing there at the moment, kind of out of balance for for the team. Um, but I, I think he's doing extremely well there as well. And that's yeah. why Matt Ball is one of our important, most important players because he gives us that that width when the forwards do go narrow. Matt Ball is out wide, and when he wasn't in the team, I thought we're missing Matt Baller here. When he came back, Sheffield United game we saw, and also the Reading game. I did mention this a few podcasts ago when we sort of broke that down that. During that game, he was the one that was supplying that width and trying to create through crosses. But, yeah, for me, Matt Ball is probably very quietly one of our most important players. Mm, well, I would 100% agree with you. I think he's fantastic. Um, and also r- Dyke Steele on the other side, because yeah. for me, he's our best defender. But mm, All aboard the baller bus, eh? Um... <laughs> oh, don't. The last time we had that, it was Sam Morsey and he left. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Sam. Um, but let's 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 move on uh, to Wednesday's game against Barnsley then, because the Reds are really really struggling this this term in the Championship with one win in twelve. Really struggling under the new manager. Um, but guys, I couldn't get us a red reporter this week. I yeah. couldn't find us a Cardiff reporter either. So we're gonna have to break it down old school way um, this week. So Barnsley, who wants to break them down? I'll pass the mic over to Barnsley, you. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I've got form for them. They've not actually uh, won since the fourteenth of August. Uh, so that pretty much guarantees them a win on Wednesday. But <laughs> recently they've lost to Reading yesterday. Um, lost 1-0 to Millwall the week before that. 3-1 to Forest at home the week before that. 1-0 to Blackpool the week before that. And then drew 0-0 against Blackburn the week before that. And then a, couple, well, a draw and then a heavy loss to, mm. to Bournemouth. So they are really, really struggling at the moment. Uh, kind of similar to Peterborough in that respect so we need to I, I don't want to say similar performance because it wasn't exactly a good performance yesterday but we need <laughs> the same result uh, mm. at the end of it to to really kind of take advantage yeah. of that Why do you think they're struggling? Because last year they looked very very good um, appreciate they've lost the manager now they lost I think the head of football as well they lost to they lost Alex just, Moore as well club captain Moore, Do you think they've just been completely raided and just left for, for dead really Dana? Yeah Probably. I mean, Ishmael had a particular style, didn't he? And I think I'm not too sure about the style of, of Marcus Shot because I admittedly haven't watched Barnsley this season, but it does seem as though they have been picked apart a little bit and they have, I think, teams are pouncing on their weaknesses now. There's a few key performers, Callum Styles, um, one of them, I think the defence... Helic, um, I mean Bradley Collins has probably been their their best player this season, a goalkeeper because he's had to be. Um, but yeah, definitely, I think the I think teams are pouncing on their weaknesses now, and, and key performers from last season just haven't stepped up, unfortunately, mm. for them. They're a very very young side too, aren't they? Um, and it's something that's expected with these youngest teams that once again a rut. It's very very difficult to get out of them. But we'll do predictions for this one before we move on to Cardiff. Um, how are we seeing this game? Do you think it's a, a win for the butter? Yeah, I'm I'm gonna go optimistic and say one nil. One nil and then probably go one nil as well. Two one nils. I'm gonna go with you know what? 
I'm going to go three 2-0 wins in a row. I'm going to score a 2-0 butter, um, which should be a good foundation to build on as we go on to Saturday's game against Cardiff, um, where it could be El Jurassico with Mick, Mar- <laughs> Mick McCarthy and Neil Warnock um, being on the touchlines, but might not be for much longer for, for Mick McCarthy, Tom. Yeah, well, they're currently 1-0 down at Swansea. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ex-Borough uh, trialist Jamie Patterson scored for him. Uh, and they seem to be really struggling today. They were 25% possession, and we're currently at the 48th minute. Uh, Swansea are just absolutely outpassing them, 318 passes to 98. Um, Cardiff's pass accuracy is 60%, and, and they seem to just be really struggling there. Um, obviously, Hope, Borough can kind of take advantage of that, and, well, I, th- I think it's going to be two teams with, with typically low possessions who are uh, going to... Can maybe cancel each other out next weekend, so uh, you know it, it might be just coming down to one goal. Anyway, back to you, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck's sake! Uh, Dan, we'll, we'll break kind of down a little bit further then, because like <laughs> like our reporter, our Andy Pie in the Sky, Tom, uh, <laughs> struggling a bit, aren't they? Yeah, they are second bottom of the form table. The last six games, they've only registered one point, which, funny enough, uh, Barnsley are also, uh, they've got two points from the last six. So we're playing two really badly out of form teams. In fact, our last four games have all been against very poorly performing teams. You've got Hull 22nd and Peterborough 20th in the form table for the last six games. Um, Cardiff at present, of course, as Tom said, 1-0 down against Swansea. That looks to be their sixth defeat in a row. So I'd be very surprised if Mick McCarthy is in charge still for the game um, on Saturday. I mean, if he is and we get a result from that game, it could be the end of uh, of Big Mick at Cardiff. But, I mean, yeah, they're, they're massively struggling, aren't they? Which was a surprise because I remember saying on our preview podcast that I expected them to sneak sixth just because I think they had a very set formula last season that was working. Of course, Kiefer Moore last season probably one of the best strikers in the division hasn't really got going I believe he got COVID um of course there was maybe a little bit of a um, hangover from the Euros of course he was um on international duty with Wales but he hasn't really got going this season I think their best performer's probably been Ryan Giles I mean midfielder I think I remember watching a game on Quest before their form tanked and mm. he played one hell of a pass towards I can't remember who it was, but it was it was a fantastic ball from deep midfield. Looks like a good player. But other than that, I think their team they've got a lot of season championship performers, Flint, Pack, Rawls, Vox, Morrison. It's just not really working for them. So we'll go with that and we'll do all all <laughs> All our point of victory, um, <coughs> but yeah, so obviously it's Borough we're talking about. So, score predictions, Tom. I'm gonna play it safe and say one-one, one-one, and yeah. I do not like us playing there. I really don't. Um, memories of Ashley Fletcher putting the ball in the back of his own net from a corner, um, but I, you know what? Unfortunately, I'm gonna go for a defeat here. I'm gonna say a very scrappy one-nil Cardiff. I think one-nil Cardiff too. I think you manage a bounce as well if the mm. if. If you get sacked today. Was it last season that we? It was last season that we um, conceded from a throw-in, wasn't it? <laughs> Against Cardiff, it was a throw-in, and then we conceded from it after that. So I can see that happening again. <laughs> Cardiff were also away at Fulham on Wednesday night, so mm. Fulham putting a performance like they did yesterday, confidence could take even more of a hit before next Saturday. 
Oh, screams new manager bounced on it absolutely screams it um, <laughs> but let's do the closing question then because of course it's our 150th episode uh, so I just want to ask you the one final question of the day what is your favourite Borough breakdown memory out of the 150 Tom Jonah um, I'm going to say the first episode I was on when Elliot said that thing about Abel Xavier Abel Xavier <laughs> is in Matt <laughs> can't say the sea bomb um, but it's a very underrated podcast moment that yeah I mean that, for me that's that's me fair I've never seen I mean I, I was trying to carry on with like uh, doing my my 11 at that point and just uh, Elliot's head was on the desk just absolutely pissing himself <laughs> just thinking back on it hilarious Great memory, in it? It's cracked me up with Dana. Do you want to go off yours? Yeah, there's been a few, to be fair. I would crack about 2003, Burnley TV, Dale Fly. That was a particularly mm. good podcast because I remember you said Dale Fly right at the beginning and then I think 30 minutes into the podcast I was still laughing about it. <laughs> um, but I think my favourite episode is probably the one after Swansea when Gavin Moore sort of ruined our, our glory moment um, and Tom had one hell of a rant. Honestly, it was it was comedy gold. Please, if if anyone's sort of wanting a bit of a pick me up, please listen to our podcast Groundhog Day. I believe it was called because Tom's ran there was something else. It was spectacular. I remember doing that mic drop gesture because it was just so good when he said get another job, work in the dark or something. It was just golden. <laughs> Absolutely, he was channeling me in a true Geordie at that point, just from his early videos. <laughs> he was spewing, it was so funny. It was, it's, it's, yeah, Groundhog is a very, very good episode, isn't it? Um, yeah, memory. I'm going to say interviewing Sam Morsey, I think. The, the interviews we've had have been very, very good, haven't they? I think, you know, Robbie Stockdale. Oh, jo- the Josh Walker one was Josh Walker was very, very good. Um, Could have spoke to him all day, but his kids were in the, ba- in, in the front room, weren't they? Yeah. And it was but, about half past ten at night, yeah. and they were still awake. Like, Causing absolute havoc, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, Robbie Stockdale, very, very mm. good chat. Um, the d- the Dimmy one, the first Dimmy. one we did here was really good. Mm. The height difference between me and Dimmy was, yeah, was astonishing. Yeah, it was good to interview Dimmy as well, because it was the first time he'd ever... Done one follow up for him is like retirement, wasn't it? Mm. So, well, he, went, he hadn't he, retired then, but yeah, he, he, he may as well have. Um, <laughs> Dean Whitehead, also a good one. Dean Orr was very, very good too. We've had some like cracking guests, haven't we? I think we should, obviously we're, we're going to be we're looking and trying to get a couple more on. But Tunjai, please answer your DMs. I know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> please. Also, David Waiter, if you're listening, I've been trying to get in touch with you for months. <laughs> <laughs> Too big town now. He's on under the cosh, wasn't he? To be fair, the under the cosh podcast it was very, very good. The one with Downing as well. So after this podcast, if you want to listen to under the cosh with Stuart Downing, it's hilarious. Also, Stuart Downing and see your DMs. Yeah, uh, they're all very, very good. Um, but that's pretty much it, guys. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, and that's 150 episodes in and done for the books. Um, but I just want to say before we go, thank you very much to everyone who's listened, shared, engaged, and and rated the podcast as well we're nearly on 150 reviews now and all the comments have just been fantastic um so here's to the next 150 this is the Borough breakdown podcast and that was how you match the chair in a pod of the Borough breakdown mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 percent with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market 